All right, I'm going to give you a quick review, and then I got something for you. Not that this isn't. The review should just bless you beyond imagination. It does me. So, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. I like the word offering for this as a more accurate translation. Uh, Holy, acceptable. Just a little reminder that this word acceptable is the Greek word eurestos, which is used in verse 2 as well. And it means well-pleasing, well-pleasing. U, E-U, anytime you see a Greek word that starts with E-U, it means well or good. Just like eulogy. How many of you have heard a few eulogies lately? Because we've had a lot of loved ones pass away. It means good word. It's translated blessed. But it goes acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And this word reasonable is logikos. And I just want to say one reminder about this word logikos. It is used where it says in 1 Peter chapter 2 that uh, God has fed us with, uh, you have been fed with the sincere milk of the word. And so milk of the word is associated with this. I reminded you last week that the word, when it says Abba, Father, the word Abba, if you look in the Greek dictionary, it is a kind of a universal word. It is the same in Greek, Arab, Aramaic, uh, Hebrew, and Greek. And it means... And one of the statements that it says in the definition is, it is an infant, infant's forming of, forming of words from an infant when it's first, when it begins to first recognize that this is the parent, this is my protector, this is the one who loves me, this is the one who takes care of me, this is the one whose voice I've been hearing for nine months, you know. And it's unreasoning trust. Unreasoning trust. And, you know, it's like a baby that begins to trust their parents. Now, I know many of you, if you've ever had a baby that has gotten shots for any reason, whether it's immunity shots or whether it's um, whether they've gotten sick, have you ever noticed that when you've taken your baby and you're with the doctor and they put that needle in and the baby looks up at you like I thought you were the one who protected me how many of you know what I'm talking about there it's happened I've heard of it heard of it many many times or in some cases I you know and I I say this um, the first time and maybe and the last time for that matter the first time that Amy was doing something when she was really little, I think she was like one year old or something, and she was sitting in a crib, and she was messing with something I didn't want her messing with, and I told her to stop, and she was about a year and a half years old, year and a half, and um, she kept doing it, and I patted her hand like this, and I hit it 
you couldn't hear the noise that I made like you just did. It was, and she smiled at me. And when she realized that I wasn't kidding, that I wasn't playing, her face broke out with these, this crying, like, you are my daddy. You don't do this. <laughs> and it just, she just, just lost it, and then I lost it. And I said, well, I'll never do it again, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> That'll be the last time I do that. <laughs> and uh, I don't think she ever, never got... <laughs> Amy was kind of unusual, and she still is for that matter, unusually special. <coughs> All my kids are unusually special for that matter. And says, <coughs> and it should be, all of your kids are unusually special too. Okay, and I'm going to show you something in a minute that I think is going to make you see that even more. But last week when I kept saying ironic, you know. This says your reasonable service. Reasonable is milk of the word. Milk is a baby. Baby Abba is unreasoning trust. So you have a paradox or a irony here that the in the word service is more accurately translated worship. Reasonable Worship, but it's unreasoning trust. Abba. You get the contradiction there? All right. And we're going to see another contradiction or another thing that is, will help explain that a little bit. And again, this is a review, but I'm, I'm trying to put it in words that I know that you'll be able more as time progresses to understand better. And I'm not saying you're dumb or anything like that. I have to tell you, it's coming to me in words that I can put it in better. You understand? Let's, let's look at this next verse real, very quickly. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transform is so close to conformed. All right, not the conformed up here that it says be not conformed, but it's so close to the word that's conformed where it says we have been predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Very close to that same meaning. All right, transform by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God? Uh, This is our life. This is what God has chosen us to live. Uh, There's many expressions of that. There's many definitions of that. There's many, uh, many things that spread out from that. But our life has been to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. You know, we are new creations in Christ. Old things have passed away. All, all things have become new. Well, you know, last time I looked in the mirror, there's something I see that hasn't become new. So what does it mean all things come, become new? All things spiritual. My, my, I've been born again of the Spirit. Well, it's the same thing with my, this thing right up here, see. This isn't new. 
This has to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. And then it, we, we prove what is good, acceptable. There's that word acceptable again. And it means the same thing as a while ago, eurestos, well-pleasing. And it means what is well-pleasing to God. Remember that, what is well-pleasing to God. Now we go to Ephesians 1, very quickly, starting with the first verse, and we're going to go right through. There's 140-something, 145, 150, 155 verses in the New Testament that say by the New Testament writers, uh, mainly in the epistles, practically all of them are in the epistles, uh, by Paul and the other writers, but most of them are by Paul. And they are something that has been proclaimed to be a truth of who you and I are if we have received Christ as our Savior and are born again, then we are in Christ. And in Christ, certain things have transpired. And these things actually, according to God, I won't use the word transpired, but were true before the world began, before you were even created, before this world was even created. God had you in mind, and these things are true in God. One of my favorites, I think it's First uh, Corinthians one thirty. I think. It says, but of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto you wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. That's pretty cool that we have wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Then it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be unto you and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us. There's that word blessed again, and it is the Greek word eulogio, which log means taken from the word logos or word. And this says you means good or well, well word, good word. God has spoken a good word over you. And remember that because we're going to find out that sometimes he has to remind us. Sometimes he has to remind us who we are. And it says who hath blessed us with what? Mm, what? All spiritual blessings. All spiritual blessings in heavenly places where? In Christ. According as he hath chosen us. He has say, say, just say, I'm chosen of God. Everyone in here has been chosen by God by virtue of the fact that you are in here. Even if you come stumbling in here off the street and you don't know a thing about God, you have stumbled in here today because you have been chosen. Chosen, uh, chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Did you catch that? Did you see that? It, we, you were chosen by name. Your members were formed in God according to Psalm 139 in his book. And according to this and according to Jeremiah chapter 1, before the world began or before you were born, according to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you, God says. 
He knew you before you were born, according to Romans 8. And so it says this, before uh, he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, that we should be holy without blame before him in love. And blame is always uh, associated with shame and shame is also always associated with sin. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of Jesus Christ or by Jesus Christ, when it says in Jesus Christ, by Jesus Christ, of Jesus Christ, in whom, of him, through him, essentially it's all, it's all the same, you know, uh, prepositions. And so uh, the place where it says that whereby we cry, Abba, Father, is saying the same thing. This verse here says, it says, uh, it's used in association with the same verse here where it says, we've been predestined unto the adoption of Jesus Christ. It says in Romans 8, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So you see that Abba associated with the adoption, you know. We have been adopted babies. Abba, Father. You got that? Don't forget, though, that there's a second word that goes with it. Father. We'll talk about that in a little while. It says, having predestinated us into the adoption of Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. All right. Now, uh, a while ago, I talked about, talked about the Greek word eurestos which means good, uh, well-pleasing, all right? That is something that we have been, the second step of the, uh, we have been, uh, conf- not be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You may prove what is that good, acceptable, and per- perfect rule of God. That word eurestos, it's also used in, in Romans 1 where it says, uh, present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your holy, acceptable, serve, holy reason, holy, you know, acceptable, means well-pleasing. It talks about pleasing God. All right. Now it says here, let's go back to one more time. We'll just read. Having predestined us to the adoption of children self, according to the good pleasure of his will. So I don't want you to mistake in something. God has created you for his good pleasure. In order for you to participate in that, you have to first understand that it was his good pleasure to save you. It was his good pleasure to bring you into his as a child. It was his good pleasure to adopt you. It was his good pleasure to choose you. It was his good. You understand all that? Now look at this. Next verse. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. Leave that up because we're going to go on from there. I mean, we're not going to go stay in this anymore. Wherein he has made us accepted. Now there's that word accepted again, only this time it is not the word eurestos. Because this is what God has done in us in Jesus Christ. He has made us accepted in the beloved. Over where it talks about being his, which is our reasonable, acceptable, or or our acceptable service. That's talking about 
us doing something. Here it's talking about what he has done, and it is not the same word. It is a beautiful word. And it says, don't notice this, this is to the praise of the glory of his grace. The word grace is the Greek word kairos. Why is that even important? Well, it's important in this verse because it says, wherein, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted. He had, say he has made us accepted in Christ Jesus. That's who in the beloved is. Right? He has made us accepted. Now, what is that word accepted? It's not the Greek word eurestos. No, that's something we participate in. This is something God did all by his choice. All right? And what is that? It is the Greek word, and it is the beautiful word. One of my, it's rapidly becoming maybe my favorite word. Karatu. Karatu. What's the Greek word for grace? Charis. So karatu is a spring off from charis. Only charis, grace, means un or favored, uh, favored great uh, favoritism. Okay? Undeserved favoritism. That's what grace means. That's pretty cool by itself, right? Accepted in the beloved, karatu <clears throat> means exceptionally accepted or exceptionally grace. Character grace, it means highly favored. Highly favored. And, and if you look in a Vine's uh, dictionary, it says not only highly favored, but highly or cho- not highly, honored. Honored. Honored bestowed upon you by God. You see, now here's the connection. Before you can have eurestos, in other words, before you personally can be well-pleasing to God, you must understand and have experienced karatu. Before you can be acceptable, you have to have first been accepted. Boy, isn't there anybody that can shout amen on that one? All right. So when you present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, you are first. Now, <clears throat> we talked about Jesus' preparation to present his body as a living, uh, as a sacrifice. And it in, in, uh, in uh, Matthew 21 and 22. And we're going to talk a little bit about a couple of verses out of that right now or later. And here it says... In Matthew 21 and 22, it says right at the end, the last part of it, where he's being examined by all these Pharisees and Sadducees and judges and lawyers and scribes and everything. The the guy says, what's the first of all commandments? And he says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy body, with all thy strength. Now, I'm not not necessarily be questioning uh, quoting the one that's in 21 because it's quoted it's, it's a several times and they, they use different you know Jesus uses different words sometimes but basically what he's saying is the same thing when he says it other he's questioning it other times what's the first of all commandments you shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart mind body soul and spirit and what's the second one thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself now if 
by doing the second one, you would do the first one. You would be doing the first one. And Jesus said in Matthew 25, if you've done it under the least commandments, you've done it unto me. Right? I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you, you know, gave me drink. I was in the hospital. You visited me. I was in prison. You visited me. I was naked. You clothed me. When would we do that? In as much as you've done it unto the least of my brethren, you've done it unto me. You know. He says, I was there and you didn't do it. You know? So there is a component, which we were going to get to, of loving your neighbor and loving mankind, loving the world, as it were, that by doing so, you're loving God. But it isn't exclusively the, the total way. In other words, you can love your neighbor until you've loved yourself completely empty. But that doesn't mean that there is, there's still a component of loving God that cannot be accomplished by that. And we even looked at that in, in Ezekiel where he says to the, the priest, he says, the priests that weren't faithful to me, they can serve the people out there in the outer court. But the ones that were faithful to me, the sons of Zadok, they can come and they can minister in, in at my table and minister and serve me at my table. So we know that there's a component just by pure logos, logicos, log, you know, logic that... If there were no component, then all you would have to do is love the Lord, the God, with all your heart and with all your mind and soul and spirit. And part of that is loving your neighbor as yourself. No, there is a component of loving God, which is not part of. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, So he says, so what is he saying there? He is really giving the roadmap, if you want to, for for lack of a better words at this time, a roadmap to what God, what your purpose in life is. God has created you to love him with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. And Jesus was dying because we know by Paul's writing that it is impossible to keep the commandments. And if this is, he says, Jesus says himself, all other commandments are basically built upon these two. You see what I'm saying? All the other commandments are irrelevant if if you're not doing them to accomplish these two. And we know from Paul that it is impossible to keep the commandments of God. That Jesus actually died so that we could. So that by through him, he could actually, he could make us born again. Uh, he could, he could, God could create in him. We could be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ and we could keep his commandments. So through him, we can love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. Uh, amen. It is only by understanding that through him, we are chosen of God, that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings that, you know, now in order to love him, according to first John, God, no man has loved God first, ever. Only those that have been loved by God first. And if I'm adding something, forgive me, but I'm thinking it is, you know, 
understanding and receiving the love of God is being loved. You know, the disciple, John, the, the, we call him John the Beloved. You know why we call him John the Beloved? It's because that's what he called himself. I can imagine that go, went really well, you know, over with the other disciples. You know, the one that Jesus loved, <laughs> that's what he calls himself. The one, do you know, the, you know the disciple that Jesus loved? Well, I can just imagine Peter just seething over that one. How dare him? Are you trying to say that God doesn't love me as much as he loves you? Is that what he's trying to say? Or maybe he just knew that God loved him. And that's what he was saying. He knew. And if you read 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, if you read the book of John, you do understand that he did have an understanding of the love of God that the others did not have. Especially in 1st John. Uh, Peg was quoting, you know, 1st John 4, uh, 18. There's no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Now, <clears throat> go, I'm going to go back to that in a minute. When I received Christ, I'm going to use this personal story. When I received Christ, um, when I received Christ in third grade, and it was real. Nobody can ever tell me it wasn't. And uh, I can see his reaching out to me from that point on throughout my whole life. I can see Jesus, the Holy Spirit, reaching out to me and me slapping his hand away. <laughs> and then in 19, December 1971, after I had made just the most amazing, wonderful uh, time of my life without God. And everything I did was total success. And not needing God at all, I said, maybe this is a good time to offer myself to God. I'm being facetious, of course. No, my life was a complete, shattered, utter, total failure. And I reached out to God. Where God reached out to me again, and I didn't slap his hand away. And uh, I prayed, and it was like, I prayed the sinner's prayer again, and it was just like, I was on fire. It's the only way I can say it. I was on fire. And uh, I started um, reading God's word. And um, I know Ryan is having a read through the Bible in a year thing. And and I'm not. I read through the Bible in probably less than a month. And. in less than three months, I had read the Sermon on the Mountain so many times I had it memorized. I, I, I think I probably had about, after 
five months, I had about oh, 500 verses of scripture memorized. I had spent large quantities of time praising God and worshiping him and, and everything. And uh, I was on a 21-day fast. I fasted quite a bit. Um, it was quite thin in those days. And I, had, I was on a 21-day fast. And on the 10th day, uh, forgive my, I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. I said, I can't take this anymore. I don't want this anymore. I told Jesus, I believe in you. But I don't believe in your church. And to hell with this. And I went back out into the world. The first thing I did was buy a pack of cigarettes. And then the next thing I did was go into a bar and started drinking. And uh, it was. But you know, something was different. I, I never took the Lord's name in vain, and I, I would, uh, and I really, still believed in Him. Now, previously to that backsliding, I believed that I was on probation with God, and I believed that if I took one step backwards. I actually had a kind of a vision of life to where there was this cliff following me. And if I stopped and took one step backwards, I would be fall into the abyss. And that's that, among other things, I even got involved. I got involved with a cult. And uh, because the rest of the church was evil and sinful and I wasn't going to have any part of it anymore. And I backslid. You say, how can you backslid if you're studying God's word constantly? If you're memorizing, you know, if you're praising and worshiping God. And if you're doing everything else the right way. And I even asked a pastor that I liked a lot, how can I be sure I will never backslide? And he gave me all the typical things. You stay in God's word, you pray, and you praise, you worship, and you stay in fellowship, and yada, da 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 and you won't backslide. Didn't work for me. I did. I backslid. And things were worse than ever. And I I look back on it and I say, why is that? Why is that? Because, see, my relationship with God, being as if I step backwards, I'm doomed, was based on fear. I was afraid if I ever made a mistake or anything, I'd be doomed. You know this scripture that you were quoting, there's no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear because fear hath torment. Beautiful, beautiful scripture. You know what he's talking about? 
For starters, it says there, and well, let's just look at that real quick. Let's look at this, and I'll show you. 1 John 4, verse 15. We'll start with verse 15. Probably could start with 16, but... I believe it's 1 John 4, 15. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed... The love that God has to us. How many of you know and believe in the love that God has to you? And he, uh, God is love. He that dwells in love dwells in God, God in him. Herein is our love made perfect. What is the result of believing, knowing and believing in the love that God has for you? That you may have boldness in the day of judgment. You know, that doesn't sound like fear. That sounds like boldness. Why would we be bold? Because I've known the love of God. I know how much God loves me. And I really didn't then. I, I, I knew how much God loved me. Hello? I knew how much he loved me, but I didn't know how much he loves me. It's a continuing thing. It says, you uh, may have day in, uh, bonus in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love. This is not talking about, there's a lot of scripture that talks about not fearing the devil, you know. But this is talking about fearing God. This is talking about fearing God in the day of judgment. There is no fear when you know God loves you. There's no fear of God. Yeah, you have a uh, respect for him and everything, but you will have no fear of him. Because perfect love casts out fear. When the love of God is perfected in you, it casts out fear. You don't have fear that you're going to fail and feel if you, fear if you do fail, you've had it. Maybe you've never encountered that like I have. Because fear hath torment. He that fears Hasn't been made perfect in love. And now that includes all, you know, any fear of anything. Because you have no fear in the day of judgment. You know what most people, most fear can be boiled down to? Death. Death. Am I, am I telling the truth? Most fear is boiled down to death. So, <clears throat> all right, Hallelujah. Before you can love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit, you have to know that he has loved you with all his body, with all his mind, with all his strength, with all his soul. See? When you know that, then you can enter into the second stage which is 
you can now have a life that's well-pleasing to him. So you present your bodies an offering to God, and the first thing that comes in to play is an understanding that you are acceptable to him. You are more than favored. You are highly favored. <clears throat> I will tell you, I, I know I get in a little trouble when I start talking about this, but so be it. Uh, I've had a time with praying and praising and uh, worshiping God and being in his presence in a way that I may not have been in a very, very long time. I had that time before, but it was, I was, it was in fear. In other words, I had time of doing it, but this time it's in love. So I was in the presence of God, praising, worshiping him. And I could say this, you know, you know, uh, Peg said, uh, she saw them up there. You know what she meant by that, right? She could see them up there. Maybe she literally saw them. Anybody have a problem with that? I wouldn't. I wouldn't have a problem if she actually saw them up, up there doing what she said. She said I saw them. I saw us doing that up there. Might have been a figure or metaphor, or, you know, or whatever, a figure of speech saying I saw them, you know. But I'm going to go a lot further than uh, Mike Pence. Well, I would have really freaked out joyless Bayhart. Um, I've been in the presence of God and I've talked with him. Literally. Literally. Mm, Spiritually. In the body, out of the body, I don't know. I'm, you know... Actually, seeing him with my virtual, eye, with my literal eyes, not yet, but it was so close. And I was talking to him. And I said, I want to love you with all my heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. And I know that there is a relationship with God where, God, you want me to do that. That's what Jesus said. And that because of what you have done in me. The Bible says later on in Ephesians 2 that I have been raised together. You and I have been raised together with Christ and are seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So I was just envisioning the, the word uh, uh, meditate in the Bible. Melite, Greek meliteo, one of the definitions is to imagine and we're talking about, not talking about vain imaginations. Vain imaginations are, are condemned by God. But to imagine, you know, vision, have a vision of God's word in your life. And I just had a guy, I imagined myself so much I was there. And I was talking to them and I was telling them how much I love them. And I was telling them how important their word was. And I wanted to not only hear every word that come out of his mouth, but I wanted, to, I wanted to hear every jot and tittle. A jot is the Hebrew word, which is also jod, which is a, 
smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Tittle is the smallest punctuation. The Greek word for jot is iota, uh, one iota, iota. We use a figure of speech, not one iota, which means it's the smallest letter in the, in the, in the Hebrew alphabet. I says, I want to I wanna hear every word, every jot. I want to, you know, we, we sing breathe on us. I said, I want you to breathe on me. Now, I was talking to him. This is the last thing, and this was a couple, uh, about 10 days ago. I was talking to him, maybe a little longer. And I said, I want to know you, God. Paul says, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. And I thought... I don't know. I already know the power of his resurrection. I've been raised together with him and in in, in, in seated together with him in heavenly places. Paul said that. How come he says, I want to know the power of his resurrection? So I said, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know all about you. So I may have got a little giddy. It says, be not drunk with wine for wearing excess, but be filled with the spirit. And I was getting drunk quite, quite a bit that week. And so I said, I want to know all about you, Lord. I said, I know you like to smell. You have a, a nose, a spiritual nose, and you smell the fragrances of our prayers. And that you smell the labor of love. It talks about our service is offering up a sacrifice that you smell. What about, do you eat God? <laughs> do you eat? What do you, what do you like? You like Mexican food like I like Mexican food? You say, boy, Pastor, you've gone off the deep end. Yes, I guess I have. I've wondered if... Where Paul says, I've heard unspeakable words. It's not lawful for me to utter. I thought he, what he really meant was it wasn't smart for me to tell other people. <sighs> so it says, God, do you have a tasty, do you have a favorite, do you eat food? Do you have a, a spiritual food that you like to eat? Do you, what's your favorite color? Do you have a color you like? I'm just going down the, going down the list. And God says, now listen to this. I know God didn't say this. This is all something I'm thinking in my head. Where are you going with this? <laughs> you know? I said, God, I just want to get to, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to really, really, really know you. And so he says to me, okay, I have a favorite color. I have a favorite food. And he just goes on and says, I have a favorite one of these. It's you. I was shocked because I didn't expect him to have any of those things. I just was using it as a point to say, I want to know you, God. He says, it's you. You say, wait a minute, Pastor. It's me? It's you? No, it's you. It's you. When he said it to me, it was you. I'm saying it's you. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? When it says, for God so loved the world, you can insert your name in there. Only. Say, for God so loved Adam that he sent his son, gave his son to die for Adam. Whosoever believes, that's how much he loves us. That's what karatu means. It means you are you are God's favorite. Now, in one sense, you are God wants you to see that about yourself in your relationship with him. In the other sense, he wants you to also see that everybody else is too. Because, you know, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. <laughs> Hello? God doesn't love me. He didn't love John the Beloved any more than he does me. And he doesn't love me any more than he does you. Hello? Now that new thing I was going to get to? <laughs> Don't worry about it. I'll get to it next week. Oh, by the way, I have an announcement to make that I don't want to forget. Next week, a week from today, the 25th, at Anchor, Pastor Charlie is coming. And he's bringing a van full of people. And he's bringing his daughter, who just got back from Israel... And has a lot to share. If you've ever listened to his daughter speak or share, she's something else. She really is. She's, she's, she's incredible. Yeah. Um, and so you just don't want to miss that. And remember, we meet at five, five for anchor. So you do not want to miss that. And, uh, I believe they might be leading in worship, but Charlie's and his daughter will be the speakers. Now, Pastor Charlie has the church in Albany that has the two feeding centers and feeds hundreds and hundreds of people a day or a week in the summertime, children. And uh, is building a, a hospital in Haiti and oh, all kinds of things is going on, has Three churches there that are really active and just amazing. He's just a, a sweet brother in the Lord, and we've had a relationship with him for I don't even know how many years now. And uh, it's one of those relationships that I treasure and treasure very highly. All right, last thing. God... I, I came out one day, a lot of times this uh, thing that I'm having with God in the heavenlies is um, in my dreams. I dream a lot about God. And I wake, go to sleep thinking about him, I wake up dreaming about him, and uh, just call me daydream believer. Yeah. 
The six o'clock alarm would never ring if it was up to me. Anyways, I'm at his right hand and I'm thinking, this is just, I don't even, I don't even want to go. I don't want to leave. I don't, God, you, the Bible, one of the things that I have come to understand and believe is God is so beautiful. The Bible says in Psalm 27, I will seek your face. It says, uh, you said, Lord, to seek my face. Your face, Lord, will I seek. And it says that a day in his presence is better than a thousand elsewhere. And it says that whom have I in heaven but you, O Lord, and being with you, I desire nothing on earth. And I'll tell you, you've heard stories about people that go to heaven and don't want to come back. I, there's been times when I did not want to come back. And so I would say, God, this is just, I, I don't want to leave. And I'm going to show you something very, very special about uh, the right hand where we are raised together and seated together. And I want to show you something about his left hand. Um, study Genesis 35. Just very quickly, I'm just going to tell you. Genesis 35, Rachel is having her second son. And she's not having an easy time of it. And she's going to die because of the birth of her second son. And Jacob says to her, who's now called Israel, the word Rachel means little you lamb of God. The word Israel means prince of God. So she has her second child, and it's a rough time. And almost with her last breath, she says, Name the child Benoni, Benoni, B-E-N-O-N-I, which means child or son of my, Ben means son, son of my sorrow. And Jacob, who loved Rachel more than you could imagine, says, no, his name shall be called Benjamin, which means son at my right hand. There's a story there that reveals a lot about God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord.